Welcome to our first Tech Talk video podcast. This week, the topic is supply chain issues arising from the coronavirus. My guests include John Hansen and Farid Anani from Computrol in Meridian, Idaho, David Raby from STI Electronics in Madison, Alabama, Richard Boyle from Henkel Electronics in the UK, and Keith Bright from Keith Bright Consultancy. Of course, the coronavirus, or COVID-19 to be more accurate, has swept across the globe at lightning speed, causing a huge amount of supply chain disruption and indeed tragedy in its wake. One of the biggest issues across the world has been the shortage of respirators and COVID-19 testing kits. Our first guests are at the forefront of that challenge. John Hansen and Farid Anani join me now from Computrol in Meridian, Idaho. Welcome, gentlemen. Nice to see you. Thank you, nice to see you Trevor. Thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So Computrol is very much at the front end of medical electronics manufacturing in the United States. It's a big part of your mix. Uh, how big a part is it exactly, uh, John, at the moment? Any good any given year, we're thirty to forty percent uh, medical of our total of our total business. Mm-hmm. But that, of course, has changed in recent weeks with the, the onset of the, the COVID-19 virus. It has. All, all the medical companies obviously are deemed essential, and therefore we have to keep building for them. But we have two companies in particular that are critical. One builds ventilators, so we're building boards for the ventilators, and then another builds uh, testing equipment which is used directly to test for COVID-19. And so both of those customers are asking for us to build as much as we can, as, as many components as we can get, as fast as we can get them, we're, we're trying to build boards. That, that's going to be stretching your, your, your workforce. I mean, what sort of shifts are you working at the moment? Well, currently we're working 24-6. So 24 hours a day, six days a week. That's been our, uh, that's been our standard shift. But we have expanded uh, the labor uh, or the, the labor capacity on the existing shifts to try to keep up uh, with this uh, increased uh, sudden demand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, but then on, on the other end, you, you, you're presumably you're having to be in place a lot of measures to protect the workforce and, and make sure you don't have any sick people coming into the factory. Absolutely. Um, there's um, we have been. Uh, following and uh, complying with CDC recommendations uh, from the beginning. And because of that, uh, we have allowed uh, much of our workforce that can work from home to work from home. But of course, factory workers have to be on site to produce a product, correct? Um, But according to the guidelines and recommendations, you know, people who exhibit any kind of symptoms should stay away from work until they are recovered and symptom free for a period of time. So therefore that has created, uh, you know, some churn and the availability on day to day basis of the uh, workforce needed to produce products. And that creates, you know, challenges that we have to address on daily basis. Okay. So John, are you hiring at the moment? We are. Yeah, we're, believe it or not, we're hiring people right now, trying to increase our our staff in the production uh, area to to meet this demand curve. And then on top of that, we're bringing in more people. We have all this business, and then we have to figure out how to keep everybody at least six feet apart during the day. So normal production uh, flow 
setups don't work anymore. So it's it's been really challenging, especially Farid and his operations team to to keep our employees safe, but uh, build the product that our customers need us to build. But they've been doing a great job. Right. Thank you, Farid. Yeah, Farid. What about um, supply chain issues? Are you are you? We we just came off the back of the you know the U.S. China trade war, which in itself brought in some supply chain challenges. Uh, and we're straight into this this pandemic. Um, are, are you finding any issues coming uh, into the factory that way? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, as you know, the uh, the lockdown started you know in China way before it started here. So factories in China weren't operating uh, at full capacity, or even in some cases weren't operating at all. And that all started, you know, back in probably November, December timeframe. So we have experienced uh, some uh, disruptions in materials uh, coming to us and uh, it, it caused some delays. Um, so far, you know, uh, knock on wood, nothing significant that, that created a, a situation where we had to shut a critical customer down. But we have seen shortages, you know, beyond just components, we've, we've seen shortages and production consumable supplies, as well as, you know, factory needed supplies to keep a company running like sanitary and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, those things have become tight and uh, we have to use um, uh, sources that we normally didn't use in the past because our normal channels, you know, couldn't bring in those supplies timely. Uh, right. So we had to get creative in, in finding them. Right. You're talking about stuff like IPA and that where which is getting used in hand sanitizers and, and is in great demand at the moment. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. Interesting to say that you're, you were finding uh, shortages and things starting to close down in November, December with factories in China. Um, that's way beyond the timeline that, that we were expecting. Yeah, no, what I meant by that was they started to shut their factories down in November, December. So later on in you know, January, February, March timeframe, we started to feel the effect of those factories winding down. Right, right, right. right. Interesting. And now we're, and now we're seeing some uh, domestic factories, you know, shutting down. And right. so the, the, the supply chain isn't dry yet. The pipeline's not dry yet, but depending on how long this goes on, there could be some additional things that really impact us because there's some domestic suppliers of connectors and some other things that right. have closed down and they're critical and usually sole source. And it's going right. to be interesting if, if uh, they stay closed for an extended period of time. Yeah, are they closing because uh, they've been ordered to close or closing because they, 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 for any other reason, you know, financial or otherwise, they're because they're being ordered. Most most of them are in states where the the order was to close, and they they probably could have opened back up based on um, being essential. But they chose instead of trying to deal with all the hassles that we've been dealing with here to try to stay open and and space your factory. And there's a lot of work that has to be done to be able to run during this time. And they they chose mm -hmm. not to do that and to just close down. So, right. Wow. Wow. Now, so yeah, you've got quite a job on trying to second source uh, materials. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, I think it's a great job that, that you're doing. Uh, certainly uh, contributing to this uh, this huge requirement for, uh, for for ventilators and that sort of thing. Do you think uh, the U.S. is going to be able to meet its requirement uh, within the next four to six weeks? 
Right now it looks like it. That's what the projections are saying. They weren't so sure two to three weeks ago, but um, on two fronts, I think manufacturing has ramped up and availability has ramped up. And also I think the, uh, all the, the people staying home and shelter in place and have, have uh, started to flatten the curve pretty well. So they looks like we're going to be able to, uh, to have enough critical right. ventilator equipment. Yeah, that's what that's what the projections say right now. But yeah. our, our customer is still asking us ship more, ship more, ship more. So we're doing everything we can. And, and one way it's a nice problem to have, but on the other hand, you know, it's it's quite heavy. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's for the wrong reasons, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, having the having the the need and the demand is is always a good problem to have. But uh, mm. the the, the reasons behind it are necessarily not good for the for the nation or for the world. But uh, just to add up a little bit to what John said, um, I think it looks like the country is going to be okay on on meeting the demand uh, simply because everybody pla planned for worst case scenario, and it, it looks like you know hopefully that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, so yeah, I, I think that's a good thing. Great. Well, I think you're both doing an amazing job, and uh, I want to thank you both for spending some of your precious time with us today. Thank you for joining us. Well, we appreciate Thanks, it. Trevor. Take thank care. You very much. Safe. One of the shortages that we found in the supply chain recently has been the shortage of IPA or isopropyl. That's used to uh, suspend flux in the uh, solders that are used for wave soldering or selective soldering or, or uh, rework. Not so much in paste because uh, paste fluxes tend to be at a much higher boiling point. One of the companies that has uh, experienced some difficulties with this or some shortages with this is STI Electronics in Madison, Alabama. And the president, David Raby, joins me today. So welcome, David. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, well, it's good to see you from a long way away. <laughs> it is, absolutely. And I'm sure it's a, a bit safer where you are in Alabama than it is over here near London, that's for sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so SDI is one of these companies that's uh, definitely been involved in uh, a lot of high rail electronics for a long time. Um, a big part of that, or a part of that, is all medical. How much of your manufacturing is has been medical in the past, and, and how has that changed recently? Actually, we don't do a lot of medical. Uh, we're, we're breaking into some of it right now. Um, what we're breaking into has nothing to do with the crisis that's going on at the moment. But, um, you know, it's less probably less than 5% right. overall is medical. Right, okay, so you're more into the, so the, the, the mill aero space, basically. Correct. Right, right, okay. And along with some industrial. And that is deemed as, as, as essential manufacturing? Yes, okay. yes. Funny thing is, we got letters from probably 10 to 15 customers saying you are essential and you will remain open. The, the funny thing is, probably two of those customers are doing business with us right now. But, right. Wow. but they still send us the letter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that's the military for you. <laughs> okay. Um, so 
tell me a little bit about how, how you're operating then. Uh, I mean, you, obviously you've got to take steps to protect your workforce. Uh, how has that impacted them? Yeah, we actually, we started out probably about a month ago, which I think is when, while it may have been late to the party, it was about when everybody in the U.S. started taking this serious. Um, and we started implementing uh, some programs to where trying, well, I've said from the beginning, my two big goals were to keep our employees and their families as safe as possible and then also to continue our business as normal as possible. And so we started out by, first off, making sure everything was clean. We've always kept a clean facility, but I mean, there's, it's crazy how clean everything is right now and how many times things have been wiped and, and sprayed and all of that kind of thing. So you're the guys um, picking up all the IPA? Uh, yes, <laughs> there's been a run on that, but, um, but, you know, we separated employees to where, um, we, everybody that sits in the line at workstations now has been separated to where we have, uh, the goal was six feet or well, the requirement was six feet. Our goal has been more than that. So we've separated everybody by quite a bit of distance now. Uh, we've broken up work schedules. Uh, not the actual coming in and going home, uh, but break schedules and lunch schedules to where there's a limited number of people in the same break room at the same time and they've got room to spread out in there. Um, we have, um, we've got doors that are always closed and you have to have a badge to get through uh, because access to the building is so limited right now. We've propped some of those doors open so everybody's not grabbing the same door handles and that kind of thing. Um, you know, we've bought garbage cans that you don't have to pick up the lid. You, you just step on them and the top comes up. Um, we've provided people with masks. Um, we haven't required people to wear masks yet. Uh, we've given them that option. But starting, I think starting on Monday, we will be requiring it. Um, yeah. We've been generous with our sick leave um, to where if you're not feeling well, you go home. Um, you now get your temperature taken when you come in. Um, and uh, that goes for visitors alike. I mean, one of, one of the things that makes us a little different also is we are a training company. And so we have some students still coming in. They're, they're not you're, still in got training, you're still got trainees coming in for training classes for your, for your, uh, your soldering courses? Yes, and, and we've taken those same precautions on the, the social distancing with, with, the, with the people there. Uh, I can tell you that business is down quite a bit because nobody is traveling from outside. You know, we're basically only doing it for the locals here in Huntsville. Um, and um, you never know from week to week which ones are gonna be coming and which ones, you know, are, have decided against that. But it, it, it's helping pay the bills a little bit. Um, but um, we have, like I said, we just started the, the taking the temperatures uh, this past week. Um, if your temperature is less than 100 Fahrenheit, um, you're good. If it's more than that, you're, you're sent home um, because of, to make sure we don't violate any privacy laws, we're not recording that. Uh, we're just checking a box that we took your temperature and um, making sure that everybody in the building has theirs done. Yeah. 
Right. What, what about supply chain shortages? Are you having any issues trying to get uh, raw materials or, or, or components or devices? We have, um, we have, um, for our largest customers, we, we do a couple of large jobs and, and then we have a lot of small jobs. For the, the, um, the large jobs, we're fortunate that we're able to place order, large orders ahead of time. And so, you know, we have orders scheduled to arrive. And um, some of those have been delayed by a few weeks. Uh, we've got one particular part that just keeps getting pushed back and we really don't understand why on that one. Um, it's, we're within a few weeks now of that getting to be a critical thing, but they're, they're assuring us we're going to have it by next Friday, um, okay. which I would feel better about if they hadn't told me that four or five times already starting in January. But, um, but that's another, <laughs> that's a separate story. But, um, so for the most part, you know, when um, a couple of things, we have a couple of products that come from China and, and Asia. Um, when it first hit over there, um, there was some delays and some slowdowns in some factories that affected us, but it was only affecting us by a couple of weeks. Right. Um, I think I think one of the things that impacted the China the China outbreak was that it landed right on Chinese New Year, and a lot right. of the factories were were had already factored in for being closed for two weeks. Right. Uh, it, so and, it took um, a two week bite out of the the the, the time uh, the time phase that they they spent the virus. Right. Our our largest Asian supplier, um, they were closed for Chinese New Year for I guess, think for a week and then they were told their workers were told not to come in for at least two more weeks after that so we were prepared for that first week to set the next two weeks we had enough inventory that we were okay um, and then it of course when they finally did come back it took them a little while to ramp up but um, we've been okay on that um, there's a couple of um, microchip parts that um, we are that's where our holdup has been and it's um, really been one part that that is giving us trouble and i'd like to be able to tell you that this caused by the virus i really honestly can't tell you because we haven't been able to get a good answer from our supplier on it now, what is, that mean? is that going to mean is that going to mean a redesign or a work uh, or no, a no no i mean that we buy fifty thousand at a time I actually probably buy 150,000 at a time. And this is the third of three shipments of it. <laughs> so if there's nothing changed <laughs> and, um, but I, I don't know well, exactly what's going on. Yeah, it sounds like it's good business for, 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 for your, your vendor. So I would have thought you would want to supply. I, I yes, cause I mean, we pay our bills. So, but um, you know, one thing we have seen also though, is we're getting the supplies, our, you know, from our uh, on our larger our largest customer where we've got the orders in ahead of time um, it hasn't been disrupted that much where we're having issues is the small jobs that we get and you know we may bid on a job Wednesday we find out we won the won the contract on Monday and by Wednesday we're ordering the parts to be ready to build um, 
those prices and availability of components have become a problem. Um, right. So, so you so see a, a lot of price spikes and, and fluctuations. Right, we're seeing the price, pricing spikes and uh, delivery time spikes, and um, you know, and in, in most cases, we're ordering small quantities on those, so we're not we're not the guys that are ordering a million of something or something like that, and um, so we're you know we're reminded sometimes where our place on the food chain is. Yeah. Do you do you think with the the combination of the the U.S. China trade war and and now this pandemic that that uh, some of these suppliers are, are, are going to look at trying to amortize the risk across the, the, the globe a bit better instead of having everything coming from one source uh, where a major disruption like this can, uh, can affect it. Uh, do you think we're going to start seeing some more manufacturing of, of components and devices coming back to the US? I would hope so. I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, there's, you know, I do. Um, I'm on the uh, Government Relations Committee for IPC, and we have been, I'm not sure campaigning is the right word, but we have been advocating for a while that trying to make sure we have the right capabilities domestically to build everything that we need. And uh, so where you're not relying on a foreign country or another region for that, you know, you need to be able to take care of yourself, which has has been a noble goal, but and honestly, it wasn't being done with the with the virus in, in mind. Mm -hmm. um, but the virus just emphasizes that um, you know if if my company or you know some larger defense company or whatever can be open during this time, we ought to be able to build something, and we shouldn't. You know, our production shouldn't get shut down by something that's happening somewhere else in the world, completely out of our control. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and there's always the issue of, of uh, people looking after their own first. Uh, right. And, and uh, you know, we've seen issues like that. I mean, there was a situation today with France saying that they historically had a lot of PPE uh, in storage, and they decided to draw down in that in the early uh, 2000s because they thought they could get instant supply from China. Uh, right. And of course, when this struck, they couldn't get the instant supply that they thought they could get and ended up with a big problem. Uh, so I, I think, you know, regionally at least, we have to sort of amortize the risk somehow. Right. I, I agree 100% there. And, and, you know, I, you can't blame somebody that doesn't want to share when they don't know if they're going to, they're not going to get the mm. replenishment. Absolutely true. David, you know, I think you're doing a great job over there. Hang in there, stay safe. And uh, I think you, you obviously have, you've always looked after your, your, your team and your workforce and uh, I commend you for that. Uh, and thank you for joining us today. All right, hey, thank you for having us. Thanks for what you're doing and stay safe where you are. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we're gonna to speak to another medical manufacturer uh, who's uh, making critical parts for respirators. Global SMT and Packaging opens the windows of the world to bring you the latest news and technologies from Munich, from Bangalore, from Shanghai, from San Diego. Another issue that is affecting the industry is a shortage of isopropyl. 
known as IPA, an alcohol commonly used to suspend flux and solders used in wave or selective soldering or rework. It doesn't affect solder pastes as much because there many of the raw materials uh, or the solvents in the raw materials are high boiling point. Here to discuss this with me today is Richard Boyle from Henkel Electronics. Welcome Richard, nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Trevor. I hope everything's okay with you and all your loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we've been in lockdown now for over a month uh, and uh, it's, we're just getting used to it, I guess. It's a different uh, way of working, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, tell me what's happening at Henkel, because I mean, you're a massive global organisation, but you're heavily involved in electronics, but you're also heavily involved in the medical industry. So what, what's happening? What's going on there? We've obviously seen some changes over the last few few months. I think everyone has been affected by the current situation. We've got customers that are on lockdown as well as everyone else. So we're seeing some decline in activity with some customers, but we've seen massive increases from others. So we are a very diverse company, as you as you quite rightly said. So we've seen a massive increase in the amount of detergents and um, various hygienic products that we produce being being done now we've changed some of our production plants to produce hand sanitizers which were given away to local hospitals and stuff so in germany we recently gave away 50,000 liters of hand sanitizers to local hospitals which i think is doing our bit to try and help the covid-19 situation there it's incredible. Yeah, well done. Well done. So I'm guessing, I mean, you don't have the issue with the IPA, isopropyl, because you, you manufacture your own. Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky in that respect. We're a large chemical company as much as anything else. So we have a very good manufacturing process for a lot of the raw materials that we need, but also we have a very robust supply chain to make sure that we, at the moment, are unaffected by some of the shortages that are going around. We have a large stock of the key materials that we actually need, and we're managing to keep up with demand, as far as I can see, globally. Yeah, I think it also affects people in the, in the cleaning industry as well, and they're, they're using more water-based chemistries and looking for workarounds, basically. I, I would I would agree, and there's a lot of, of opportunities there, I think. There's a lot of surfactants, there's a lot of materials that you can use with combination of, of with, with water to um, reduce the impact of shortages of some of the solvent-based materials. Um, for a very long time, we've, we've been doing that. Even in electronic flux, fluxes, we launched our BOC-free liquid flux about 20 years ago now. So we've been able to produce alcohol-free liquid fluxes for a long while. And I've seen an increase in interest in that, not only from our materials, but our competitors are also advertising that a lot more. So obviously there is an issue there with perhaps a, a, a reduction in the ability to get IPA from some of our competitors and they're trying to move customers to the VOC free materials. Right, right. Now, you're, you're a global troubleshooter for process related issues uh, for Henkel. Um, I'm guessing you're doing most of that from home now. Um, uh, are you seeing anything interesting coming up? Is there any challenges that's brought? No, I think today with the modern technologies that we have, it's a lot easier to do um, video Com conferencing or email or um or or just 
over Facebook or Skype or or we use Microsoft Teams a lot to do the um, to do the the face to face work. We don't have too many requests in for actual visits at the moment. A lot of the customers we deal with are isolating or trying to protect their workforce as well. So they're re rest restricting the ability for people to come in and see them. And to be honest, 99% of issues you can solve over the internet rather than having to go in and see that. You can even get the customers to video what the problem is and that can make a massive difference in solving the issue. So from that point of view, Although we're restricted in what we can do and what we can't do, we're looking after our employees and making sure we don't put anyone at risk, both from a Henkel point of view and from a customer point of view. We are able to solve pretty much all of the problems that our customers are coming up with. Right. I mean, are you searching using things like augmented reality or, or, or glasses or stuff, things like that uh, to be able to do troubleshooting or you're just using the video recordings of, of the process. We dabbled with the augmented reality with the glasses um, even a year or so back, 18 months ago, we were looking at the use of the, um, I think it was the Google glasses and that sort of thing. And they, they are useful, they are very good, but we also find that just using your mobile phone, it's just as good at taking a video you can you can just see uh, the engineer can stand there with their mobile phone point at what the problem is and you can then see a better picture of 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 what's going on and it doesn't cost anywhere near as as much there's nothing nothing beats keeping it simple eh? exactly uh, exactly <laughs> okay well richard it's great to say that you're uh, keeping safe and well and uh i want to thank you for giving us an update of what's happening at henkel um and thank you for joining us no problems at all. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be joined now by Keith Bryan uh, to talk about a book that he discussed with the authors at Apex, uh, namely from Phil Zaro and Jim Hall. The book is now being released and the copies are on the street. It's called Troubleshooting Electronic Assembly. Uh, welcome, Keith. Uh, nice to see you this morning. Always a pleasure to be here, Trevor. Okay. So tell us, um, what, what has been your first impressions of the book? Because, you know, there was a lot of talk about it uh, at Apex before it hit the streets. It's now here. Uh, what's been the feedback? Um, well, the feedback's been excellent. I'll, I'll give you some of the, uh, the, the comments from a few of the sort of uh, uh, luminaries of our industry who were given a a pre-run copy to review it um, but basically this book um, the the subtitle is wisdom from the board talk crypt now board talk has been like a uh, an industry institution it started 10 years ago it's done over 200 episodes and right. it was basically uh, Phil Zarrow and Jim Hall um, in the early days Mm -hmm. working live and answering questions that people phoned in during the actual event. Right. So it, it could have been questions about anything that was process related, material related, industry related. And I mean, anybody who's heard any, I mean, Phil, Phil and Jim talk all, uh, talk at events all around the world. Um, Jim's a Six Sigma lean teacher. Um, they teach the SMTA training courses. They run their own training courses and they must have audited 
probably thousands of factories around the world. So yeah. when it comes to they're, they're both hugely knowledgeable, but uh, yeah. I mean, trying to do anything live, I can tell you from a media point of view is, is, is a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, it, there, there, are, there are some, and I mean, I, I'm sure people can find these recordings, but you know, there's some where they both had a completely different point of view as to what was going to be the solution to the problem that was phoned in. And, you know, as I say, anybody who's heard them knows that, you know, they are, they are both characters and, um, you know, they, they, they have a, a, a great sense of humor. So it, it really, you know, the, the, the book is built on um, not only a lot of knowledge and wisdom, but also, a, you know, it, it, it reads like it was a almost, I mean, in the latter days, they did them as podcasts. So they had, you know, questions emailed in beforehand. Um, but you know, you, you can you can see the uh, the character of both of the guys in the book, right? right. With, with, okay, I mean, it, the, the dry sense of humor. Yeah, it's a it's a wealth of technical information, but it's not only explained in a simple, easy to understand way, but it's it's done with an amount of humor as well. Okay, so so who's the book? Uh, aimed at? Is it aimed at the student? Is it aimed at somebody, uh, the, the engineer? Uh, or is it aimed at PhD level? Well, it's primarily intended to provide uh, a, a highly indexed and very good reference guide for process engineers or assembly technicians, um, where if they have a particular problem, um, they can find a solution or um, if they um, just want to have a, a good read and learn about all the problems that can happen with a, an SMT assembly line, then right. you know it, it, it works on both levels. You know, it's it, it's it, it's, it's a, reference a reference book, and it's also a damn good read. Great. Uh, any idea of what the how many pages it's got? Anything like that? What the extent? Um, no, I mean it's it's quite a big hardback. Um, I, I, I wouldn't like to, to guesstimate at the total number of pages, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a pretty heavy thing and um, it contains a huge amount of information. And, you know, if, if you look at what's been said about it from the guys who were lucky enough to review it, you know, it, it, it's definitely something that's worth a read. Right. Um, you know, if, if you go back to board talk, I mean, you know, Phil and Phil and Jim, with, with the knowledge and experience that they have, um, I don't think in, in, I mean, I've listened to a, a huge amount right. of them and I don't think there was ever a problem that stumped them. Right, right, okay, great. So board talk on, on paper uh, or in, in, in hard copy as well. Um, where can people get it? Uh, is it, I presume it's available on Amazon or? or yep, it's available on Amazon. I looked there this morning and they only have 20 copies left. Right. Wow. But there's an there's an Amazon alternative seller who is the publisher, and mm -hmm. I assume the publisher probably has uh, uh, more copies. But yeah, you know, if if you put in the name on uh, on on Amazon, you will find the book, and they will deliver. Um, incidentally, the uh, Amazon site doesn't deliver to the UK and some parts of Europe, but the publisher mm -hmm. will. Right. Right. Okay. That's good to know. So there you go. That's the latest book there from Phil Zaro and Jim Hall, uh, Electronics, uh, Troubleshooting Electronics Assembly.
Keith, thank you all, as always, for joining us today. Uh, and I think that brings us to the end of today's program um, for Tech Talk. Uh, so thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you again next week. Always a pleasure, Trevor. I hope to see you soon. That brings us to the end of today's program, taking a look at some of the companies involved in manufacturing.globalsmt.net. But for now, on behalf of everyone at Global SMT TV, we want to say a huge thank you to all the nursing staff, manufacturers, and everyone else involved in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you for watching, and please stay safe and well. Global SMT and Packaging opens the windows of the world bring you the latest news and technologies from Munich, from Bangalore, from Shanghai, from San Diego.